Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome to Mother Angelica Answering the Call. I'm Doug Keck here with my co-host and friend, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here at EW10. How are you, Father? Good to be with you and to learn once again from Mother's Wisdom. Absolutely. Listening to what she has to say off the cuff, amazingly so. And this is the first regular program of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. We did a special for her birthday. But let's get right into talking about Mother Angelica and the kind of insights she would have in people's lives. What always amazed you about her ability to respond to people, especially in these phone calls on her live show? You know, Sister Michael had told me one time that People came to her for counseling, for advice, and uh, they were professional people. They were just people who were blue-collar workers, but they became friends for life because what she told them really helped them and gave them helped them to get over the bump that they were per- presently struggling with in their life. And I think that's what these the, these different answers that Mother right. has also does. And what's great is they transcend time, and that's why we want to bring them to you on the program on EWTN Radio. Let's listen to the first call coming up. Somebody had a question about a Protestant prayer group. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. I'm Where JC, are you? And I'm calling to ask you. Um, I'm a Catholic, and I have a circle of friends who are what they call just spirit-filled Christians, Mm -hmm. and I go to a weekly meeting they have. It's just like a little prayer group type of thing. Yes. And I want to know, is that wrong for me to do that, or should I maybe be concentrating on a Catholic meeting of some kind? Thank you. Let me say this. When I say it, realizing, and you realize, and if you don't, I'm telling you that I would say 75% of our whole network is not Catholic. I don't demand it, and I couldn't find enough Catholics to run this network anyway. When we began, they weren't too much in favor of helping us. So you just get you know, the people who came, came, knowing they came to Catholic Network and they have worked very hard and very wonderful, and I love them, and they love me. But we must love each other. As Christians, we are a scandal to the world because we do not love each other. That's one thing. I think it would be better for you to go to a Catholic prayer group. Why? Because there you will receive, hopefully, not always, but hopefully, perhaps a mass, a rosary, teaching. And I don't find fault with you going to a Protestant prayer group, providing there's not the teaching there that's going to change your mind and heart. What I'm saying is, it's wonderful, but you have to be extremely careful that you don't put yourself in temptations of doubt, where they may criticize the church or criticize you. At that point, you must leave. Because we work with people of all faith and no faith, and people who are Hindus and Muslims and every kind of religion or non-religion are witnesses to love them where they are, and how they are. But we're also obliged, each one of us, to preserve our faith and not to put ourselves into a temptation or a place where my faith may be in jeopardy 
by those who create doubts in my mind. If you're talking of an ordinary prayer group where you pray together and read the scriptures together, fine. But if it comes to a point where it's a matter of defending your faith, then I would leave. This is Mother Angelica answering the call. Answering the call on EWTN Radio. We have another call. Hello? Yeah, hi. This is Sherry, Mother Angelica. I love, you're just beautiful. Thank you. Um, first of all, I was born and raised totally Catholic. Uh-huh. Recently, well, two years ago, I um, went through and committed myself totally to the Lord. Good. Born again Christian. Mm-hmm. My question is, when I was raised totally as Catholic, um, when I go through the Bible and I read and it does say you must be born again. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. When I was raised Catholic, it, they didn't really bring it up that much as far as why you should be born again and, and so forth. My other thing is is that when you, when you sin, you go to confession to confess our sins yeah. um, to, to the priest. Why is it that we have to go to our priest when we have the Lord right in our hearts? And, and every day you say your prayers at night or, or whenever, okay. he's right there. He's in your heart. You just need to confess right there and repent your mm. sins. Well, uh, we do this because God, in, Jesus instituted the sacraments. They, we didn't make them up ourselves. That's why we can't add to them and we can't take away from them. You see? So now, when our Lord said, who sins you shall forgive you shall forgive they are forgiven whose sins you shall retain they are retained so he gave that power to the priests now our Lord is a great psychologist he knows and you know you need to hear with the very senses you sin with that you have been forgiven. You do not go to confession to a man. You go to confession to Jesus. He gave the apostles and all those after them the power to forgive sin. You need to hear, I absolve you. It isn't a man who absolves you. It is Jesus. Why do you think so many people go to psychologists and psychiatrists? Most of them need to go to confession. That's where they need to go. They've had an abortion, they can't get over it, they sit on that, whatever they sit on, and it costs them $45, $50 an hour. And that psychologist or psychiatrist cannot forgive. He can try to talk them out of guilt. They need to hear from the voice of Jesus, I forgive you. Now they're born again. I think it is our fault that we don't understand, we don't explain to our people what it means to be born again. You were born again at baptism. Here's this little baby, it's just a human being with a soul and crying and yelling and screaming, doesn't know beans. Only thing it expresses is hunger. But that little baby, after baptism, has within it the very God who created it. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that's born again. Now, 
The apostles were born again. What does that mean? It means a metanoia, a total change. You cannot live, you cannot read, rather, the lives of the saints and not know that St. Augustine, believe me, was born again. <laughs> we call it conversion. They call it born again. If you're talking about feelings, well, we got saints that went, crawled up and raised up into the sky and into trees and into ceilings. And <laughs> we raised the dead and we healed the sick and exercised demons. Read the lives of the saints. And believe me, you see some born-again people. Mary of Egypt was a prostitute at 12, went into the desert. She got so holy. People came in droves just to ask her prayers. You call it born again. We call it conversion by the power of Jesus. And there you have Mother Angelica, a couple of answers to some callers. The one that struck me there, Father, was the first one about the Protestant prayer group and where Mother talked about in the early days about the fact that 75% of our whole network mm -hmm. is not Catholic. And then what she said... I don't demand it of people, and I couldn't find enough Catholics to run this network anyway. <laughs> That's right. We're in the Bible Belt, and so the percentage of Catholics at that time was 2 to 3%. Mm -hmm. And so she was happy. Anyone who loved the Lord, and, you know, I've even talked to people who were Protestants, and they talked about Mother's love of the Scriptures, her love of the Lord. And so they had this camaraderie and this understanding just because of that uh, unity in the Lord. How did she have the ability uh, of, in a sense, to transcend that, to be totally Catholic, but yet somebody that was very relatable for somebody who wasn't Catholic? You know, there's an interesting uh, thing that the church says is that we are more united by the, our baptism than we are separated by our other differences that we have. Not that they're not important, not that these theological points are not important, but what unites is there a common baptism. We have the divine life within us. And so there is this unity that we have in the Spirit. Right, and absolutely. She also answered the question about being born again, which is another thing that would have been popular. Mm -hmm. You hear it sometimes, but not as much maybe as you used to. And she talks about, you don't think the saints were born again? <laughs> she said, read the lives of the saints, and you're going to see people who were really born again, that they were living a different kind of life, a remarkable life, and that when we receive baptism, indeed, we are born again. Right. Another thing Mother would talk about oftentimes, suffering. Here's a call about that. We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Hi. Hi, Mother Angelica. This is Paulette from Alameda. Uh-huh. And um, I wanted to ask you, I, I, have, I think I have a vocation to suffer. I've been suffering all my life. I'm 55 now. When I was in my teens, I offered myself as a victim, so I had, I had a lot of severe emotional, you know, mental suffering. And then I was an alcoholic addict. I got clean and sober later on in life. But, but then I had a, a severe accident, and I've been severely physically disabled. I'm mentally better, but physically in pain all the time. And I, was, I kept trying to do something else, to succeed at something, you know. It doesn't seem to work. It seems like the Lord just wants me to suffer. I don't mean that derogatorily. I mean, it seems to be what he wants for me. You know, and I was wondering what you think about suffering as a vocation. Well, it is, no question about that. And the church has had many souls that were stigmatized. Padre Pio was one who suffered terribly. 
and all that they imagine and the pain. There are many souls we call victim souls, and the reason we say that is because it seems their whole entire life is some kind of physical pain. I know what I'm going to say is going to make people jump out of their chairs, but you'll just have to jump because it's the truth. Our dear Lord does allow and accept pain. In fact, St. Paul said, this is a wicked generation, a wicked age, and your lives, your lives should redeem it. Oh, what is he talking about? Jesus already redeemed us. We add. And then he said one day, I make up in my body what is lacking to the sufferings of Jesus. Oh, what is he, a heretic? <laughs> Jesus is God. You can't make up. But somehow the Lord accepts it and adds it to him, his own pain and offers your pain and my pain, everybody's pain, with his pain to the Father for the salvation of souls. I would rejoice if you're living a holy life in pain. Rejoice, you save many souls. And one day when that time calls, that awesome time when we see Jesus face to face, the day we call death is really life. And then you'll see hundreds and hundreds of people coming rushing towards you. And you'll say, Jesus, who are these? I don't know these people. Why are they rushing towards me? And he'll say, these are the souls you're suffering saved. They may have never have been saved without them. So rejoice. Yes, God does ask us. That's when I learned to be specific with God. When I was threatened never to walk and I asked him, you know, Lord, I, uh, I'll build you a monastery in the south. I didn't even know why he said that. If you let me walk, I panicked. I forgot something, you see. I forgot to say walk without pain. Hmm. <laughs> From that time on, I became very specific with God. <laughs> if you don't mind, Lord, I would like it this way, this time, this place. You know? So, don't be afraid. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us. Mother Angelica answering the call is the title of the program. Doug Keck, along with Father Joseph, Mary Wolf, bringing you the best of Mother's phone calls from over the years on her live show. And let's talk about suffering. That's mm -hmm. something Mother knew a lot about and she talked a lot about. She experienced it. She said it was something that kept her on her knees, relying upon God. Sometimes she was too sick to have the live show, but she would trust, she would pray. The Lord would get her through that show, and it would be a good show. Um, and then she'd return back to illness in many ways. And I often say on the Feast of Padre Pio that one of the things that Padre Pio teaches us is the value of redemptive suffering, that we share in Christ's cross that our own lives have suffering, but when they're united with Christ, they have meaning. The worst thing is suffering without meaning, but when you have suffering that has a meaning, that I can, with Christ, united to his suffering, 
a work in this work of redemption. And it's funny, too, because Mother mentions at the end of that her story about talking to our Lord, right, Mm -hmm. about uh, saying, I'll do this for you, I'll do this for you, you know, just let me walk. And she said, I panicked, I forgot to say something, I forgot to say walk without pain. (laughs) Then she said, for the first time I learned that you need to be very specific when you talk to God. Mm -hmm. And now let's turn once again to Mother, a question about the rosary. We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Hi. Hi. I'm from Illinois, Mother. I have a, I have a question for you. I uh, make little chaplet rosaries, and I give them away to people. Good. I also give them the instructions on how to say the rosary correctly. And some people tell me, no, I don't need those. I don't say the Apostles' Creed or the Glory Bees or the Mysteries. I just say the Our Father. So I tell them, that's not the rosary, and you need to say it right if you want it to get up to heaven. Could you comment on that, Mother? Well, I think anything that's made for us to say and, and paid by the church, we ought to say it the way it is. That's that self-will we have, a little bit lazy, too. We don't want to say the whole rosary. What are you missing? A cradle and our Father and three Hail Marys. What's that take? Let's see. Mm. Three minutes? Three minutes? Four? If you pray slow, five minutes? You don't have a beginning you don't have to say it if you're going through all 15 decades. You just go right on, you see. I think it's just the nature of the, of, of the world today. We don't mind being obedient, but we don't want to be obedient the whole way. You know, my sweet mother always had to say no before she said yes. I said, would you do this? No. I never said anything, but I knew she'd do it. She just felt good saying no. I can't remember a time she didn't do it. I'd say, drink your tea. No. I'd go outside the room, peek around the corner, she's drinking her tea. Some people are like that. They just have to say no, and then they do it. Now, our Lord knew that. He said there was a, a man who had two sons, and he said to both go out into the field. The one said, yes, I'll go, but he never went. The other one said, no, but he went. Now, the strange thing about this is, the Lord said to him, Who did the Father's will? The one who went. Now, he was grumpy about it. He said, No, he just one of these people has to say no. I don't pay attention to them because I know they're going to do it. Makes them feel good to be in control, even though they're not. They just don't want to admit it. Some of your kids do that. Go put out the garbage. No. First thing you know, you hear the door open and out the garbage. He said, what's wrong with this kid? Don't worry about him. He has to say no. He'll do it. He'll do it. In time, he'll say yes. It's our poor human nature. But you have to know that the rosary, see, there's the mass. There's no substitute for mass. There is the divine office, an extra mass, and there's the rosary. You can think of a thousand prayers. None is as powerful as the rosary. In the life of um, Vincent de Paul, he went, he heard this man was dying, and he refused to go to confession. So he went and tried to convert him, and he said, Don't you know if you don't repent, you lose your soul? And the man said, I want to lose my soul. Oh, he was angry and hateful. 
Well, Vincent DePaul went and got everybody in that hospital, and they said, we're going to say the rosary for him so he repents. Well, before the rosary was finished, Our Lady appears to this man and showed him Jesus crucified. He began to cry, and he cried and cried and cried, and he repented. See, and his soul was saved. All the words of a holy man like Vincent de Paul did nothing for him, made him more angry. But the power of the rosary brought about a great miraculous conversion. See, you say, why? Don't ask me. I don't know why. God has designed it so. And God designs great power upon small requests. God doesn't ask us to do impossible things. Small requests. I know from here, from the last 16, 17 years, I know for sure that great miracles have depended upon us saying yes to a small, small inspiration. So small that we could have just pushed it aside as, as nothing. That's, that's the awesomeness of God. I believe if every Catholic in this country, how many million? That's 60 million? As to over 25% of this whole country is Catholic. If we all said the rosary for a month, every day, all 60 million, I think this way, the Lord would turn this country around. But somehow all of us think it's just either too much or too insignificant. In either way, in either case, we won't say it. So God gives great rewards or small sacrifices. If I were you, if you're going to say the rosary every day, I hope you will. Say it from the beginning. Another two minutes is not going to hurt you. Because that's the way Our Lady designed it. It's changed through the years. Doesn't matter. That's how it is now. Right now. And remember, we can think of the mysteries as we go along because we love Jesus and Mary and the beauties of our Catholic faith. There's Mother Angelica talking about something else that she always cared greatly about and this network has always Mm -hmm. featured on a regular basis, the rosary. The first thing that we recorded as far as a prayer goes was the rosary, the sisters praying the rosary in the studio. It was later then we added the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and I think that's one of the things we can really be proud of, that we're joining the whole world in prayer, and Mother knew that the rosary in a particular way has a power to change people's hearts. And why do you think that is? And why is that an experience that you thought Mother and the sisters were so impassioned about? Well, we can see that throughout history that it brought about a change. When St. Dominic received the Holy Rosary, it really began to lead to more conversions of hearts. We Franciscans wear the uh, Franciscan Crown Rosary, which is a special seven-decade rosary, and so it's meditating on our Lord's uh, mysteries of his life, but going with Our Lady. And he's given Our Lady a very special role in our lives to help us to change our hearts, to follow Jesus more faithfully. And again, it's that reflection on the life of our Lord, really, mm-hmm. uh, through many times the eyes of Our Lady. Yes. But it really is reflective on Jesus, right? It's a summary of the gospel, the mysteries of his life. And the center of each Hail Mary is... Jesus, right? That's the middle of it. But also think about every Hail Mary is recalling the most important event in all of human history 
when God became man and dwelt in Mary's womb, the incarnation. And speaking of Mary, here's a question related to her and to Joseph. Let's listen. So we have another call. Hello? Mother Angelica. Yeah. It's a blessing to speak to you. This is Stella Sedlitsky from Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Wonderful. I, I went out to a friend's house for dinner, my other sister and I. Uh-huh. Now, after dinner, we were talking, and these friends are not Catholic. And her husband asked me, was a blessed mother and Joseph married? If so, when? I was lost for words, mother. I didn't know what to answer her. <laughs> Well, I don't know if anybody knows when, but we know the scripture tells it. They were espoused. They were married. But we, <laughs> we don't, nobody can say it was April 25th, you know, <laughs> in the year three. <laughs> so we, we can't say that. I think it's, it, in fact, we're not too sure how old Our Lady was when she conceived our dear Lord through the Holy Spirit. And and they were betrothed, so you can say that. And, and since she was not Catholic, you should have brought up the scriptures. See, next time say uh, read uh, Luke two, the second chapter of Luke, and you will find out. You see, second and third chapter of Luke, and and sure they were married, but no, I don't think anybody can tell you the exact time and date. But that does not, and never did, would or ever would have later made Joseph father. He was foster father. He was guardian of our dear Lord. And she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her at the incarnation. It's an awesome, we have awesome truths in the Catholic Church and our Holy Father brought them all up. Remember something our Holy Father said to you this time? It is the primary purpose of parents to educate their children in the faith. And he said, read the catechism. So all of you have been told you're not, or you shouldn't read the catechism. It's too deep for you. That's a lot of uh, baloney. <laughs> you should read the catechism. You should read it to your children in the ways they can understand. And you are the primary teachers of your children. Came right from the Vicar of Christ. You don't need anybody else's permission. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.